Welcome in everyone to episode 61 of the Bowcats podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Payne, joined by my co-host, Speed is Chief 2. Yo, Caleb, it's good to be back. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good, you know. We were just talking right before we started recording about um, how uh, a special someone still has to fulfill their end of uh, bets here and and uh you know my my twitch chat my viewers and i think your viewers too are always reminding us of such things so we, we will schedule a time someday where a uh, certain someone will play bastion every single set and it, it's oh, that man. person's not me you know although i you will know, be doing the same you know um i wasn't sure what you were talking about i kept just hitting this mental wall you know there was just <laughs> like a big rock in my way like a steel wall you know you know Best way to beat that steel wall is with another steel wall, and that'll that'll get you over the hump to legend. I think. I think. Oh yeah. So I, 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 I climbed quite a bit today. I got up to the thirty two hundreds with my Bastion team, and beat some big names like Satisan as well. Um, so it was a good time. Made the crucial mistake of pivoting out back to his alone Nine Tails lead that he had originally, and locking into the Bastion. So, that's you know, what we call that in the industry, right? You know, what we call that. What would we call that? We call that crushed ice. <laughs> okay. Put that, put that in a drink. Yeah. Uh, I see. Well, speaking of puns, too, we got we got ourselves a special guest today who uh, actually is a very on point with the puns here, too. We got ourselves... Uh, this is not our first guest on the Battlecast podcast, but the first guest we have in a long time and the first mm-hmm. guest we've had uh, since Speedius has been a co-host on the podcast. We got ourselves none other than the king of PvP, King IV. Welcome in, King. All right. Thank you, gentlemen, for letting me join in the, in the podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm surprised that took us this long to get around to it but we're happy to have you here uh i know you were uh recently recovering uh from covid and everything but uh good to hear that you're doing better especially in preparation to a special next week for you yeah yeah i had a little bit of a better covid but we're feeling feeling pretty good and i should be all ready for for worlds yeah, and before we get to all that world stuff, we're gonna we're gonna go straight from your origin story too. Uh, I feel like there's a very small possibility that people do not know who you already are if they're already listening to this podcast. But on the off chance that they do not, uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Who you are? You know how you got into Pokemon Go? How you got into Pokemon in general? And we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. So. My name's King. Uh, I've been playing Pokemon Go since since day one release in Canada. But the really how I got into Pokemon Go is I teach at the University of Waterloo. I teach an analytics class. And my students, they're very uh, technology-oriented. They're always on the latest apps and that kind of stuff. And then during the break, I saw one of them was like catching a Voltorb, right? And I was like, oh, it's interesting. Like I, I, I played the first two generations back when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I just talked with them. They're like, oh, yeah, this is Pokemon Go. Just came out, downloaded on the US App Store, all that stuff. I was like, oh, this is intriguing. So then I, st- I started like watching some stuff on YouTube, watching like early videos of Trainer Tips, Allier, Lachlan, a bunch of these guys, a bunch, a bunch of these like big gamers that are playing Pokemon Go. And then 
the game came out in uh, in Canada, and uh, I I remember actually actually remember Trainer Tips, one of his early videos. He's like, "There's a lot of Pokemon at uh, at rest stops, like gas stations, right?" Uh-huh. So I downloaded the game. I was like, "Okay, I guess I go to the gas station, right?" I didn't even like just download the game. I didn't even turn it on. I just opened the gas station. And there was like one Pidgey or something like that. And then little little did I know, I uh, I was living basically across the, sh- the street of the best place to play in Toronto. There, there oh was, wow! Like, there was like five. There was like, I think five to seven stops, and they were like lured constantly. But I, I went all the way to the gas station for some reason to start playing. And then, kind of just uh, went went off from there. Wow, that's also well, it, that's funny too because um I also played only the first and second generation. I played red and blue. I think I had yellow too, which was not that great. But and I had silver as well, and I stopped. So you you also stopped playing Pokemon since that second. Game Boy game essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh wow! Didn't uh, didn't really. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't know any Pokemon past uh, Generation Two, uh, really at all. That's awesome. Um, and then you just dove straight into it too. I, I don't. Did you even? Did you ever really take a break, or you just you just played throughout, right? Because you were yeah. one of the biggest grinders from the very beginning on yeah, XP. Yeah, yeah. So I, I hit um, uh, level forty back in like December. 13th of uh, 2016 mm-hmm. um like less than six months into the game and um yeah kind of just i took like short breaks uh, here and there but pretty much just uh played throughout I, I always say like i played through the the first like dead winter like where <laughs> almost, almost almost no one was playing in like the january february march and like and then people started coming back when uh raids raids come back yeah and that's when you start meeting a lot of people i remember um they had the uh, the January event. They had a bunch of starting Pokemon. I think I remember that, and like I think like longer lures or something. But even then, yeah, kind of yeah. fell off a little bit too. Yeah, that was part of the New Year's event. They had the the one hour lures, which was the mm-hmm. first time. And they, I think, right before that, they released the Gen two babies. Oh. And then, and then, then, then in February was uh, when they released like almost all of uh, Generation two. Yeah, because that's when people were hunting for the T-Tars and stuff and everything. Yeah, exactly. And, Unknowns and all that stuff. So, Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, so definitely very competitive. And I, I think I remember when I I wasn't like as big of a grinder, but I still go to a lot of grind spots and stuff. And there used to be, I think, a Google spreadsheet. I don't know if you heard about the Speedy or not. I know King definitely probably has. It was a Google spreadsheet of like everyone that's hit level 40 or something like mm-hmm. in a row. And and then like the the uh, the first few people, and then there was also the top uh, cities with the most amount of level forty trainers. And I remember Toronto was like I think number one or number two on there. It was like between Toronto and Buffalo, which was crazy to me because I was like, what's going? I mean, I, what's going on in those cities? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that actually used to be like one of my big things uh, huh? uh, early on in the game. Is uh, I used to like help people get to level forty. We yeah. like I do like plans with them, like grind schedules, figure out their schedule, all that stuff. And I was really motivated for us to be number one on that that list. So I helped a lot of people uh, to to get to level forty. And it was uh, we kind of built this like little community thing. And we actually pretty funny. Uh, we knew Buffalo was really high on the list, so we actually a group of us, two cars of us, went down to Buffalo, uh-huh. and uh, we went to their like uh, grind area. Uh-huh. And we basically took all the gems and filled it with level forty <laughs> accounts, and then they were like, they were like posting their Reddit's and all this stuff, and their Facebook and be like, who are these spoofers? Like, there's, <laughs> who are these random level forty showing up in Buffalo and and all that stuff? So um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. There was also a lot of level forties in uh, 
Atlanta area, which I know you. There was. Yeah, I remember. I was pretty proud of that, too, because I think I expected like L.A. or like, you know, a lot like California cities, maybe and other New York cities to be up there. But we used to have this one grind spot called the Prado. It was like a shopping, like little shopping plaza. And it was like four, a quad stop with a fit stop, like a, like a two second walk from it. And there was just hundreds of spawning. And Atlanta's super landlocked, so there's not really water anywhere. But there's a river running through it. So there'll be like 30 to 40 Dratinis every night yeah. with like Magikarp's <laughs> Gyaradoses. Yeah. And back then, like the IVs were really messed up. So like... I think like as you're further down the Pokedex, you're likely that the IVs are even better or something. So like yeah, this no, higher yeah. attack, higher attack, higher attack. Yeah, and yeah so there's so many hundo Dratinis and stuff. It was crazy, and yeah. so that was a big part of Atlanta. But then I don't know what happened, but like it was like during like the like the dead winter months. At some point in time, they removed all the stops. I, I yeah. don't know. Maybe someone filed a complaint like early on, and then like it just finally got completed. Yeah, I actually played down there as well when I went down to Atlanta, like okay. uh, back in, I think it was like November 2016. Uh, I was taking my students to uh, a conference mm-hmm. and uh, I heard about this place. I took okay. an Uber, took an Uber over. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, it matched, matched the hype. It was, it was pretty awesome. Oh, okay. We, so you're there. We, 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 chased, we chased a lot of Dratinis as well. It was yeah. like, just like running for the Dratinis nearby. And there was like right. people like camping there in like, yep. in the seats there. And it was like in a parking lot too. It was, uh-huh, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty insane. But uh, it was, uh, it was a good time. And I met a lot of really uh, intense players uh, uh, down there. Wait, that's crazy because if I think about that, like there's a good chance I was also there when you were there. We just obviously oh, yeah, know each sure. other, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. probably in the same area. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Speedy yeah, was all the way in Mississippi thinking. though, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, it was. No, I was just thinking you guys probably, you know, bumped into each other and you said, oh, excuse me, you know, when you're teenies yeah. <laughs> or something. Probably. Yeah. I didn't really talk to too many people because back then, like, there weren't raids, right? So we just like, you're like all in a group together, but you're kind of keeping yourself, like everyone's still cheering when you get the treating, but like minimal interaction but no it was a good time for sure um yeah so my experience was a lot more small city i did have a mm-hmm. university campus nearby and some of my friends played kind of casually but they didn't uh really grind to level 40 they didn't really push themselves too much i'm actually the opposite of you guys because i got to level 39 and i actually stayed there for a while probably like several months because in my mind because there was nothing else besides the gyms and the catching and you know maybe farming stardust uh, I thought that the game was over once you hit level 40. I thought it was like, okay. I've you thought the game would like delete your account or like what? No, <laughs> no. I just felt like, you know how, how you play through a campaign yeah, 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 in, yeah. A, in a video game? You're like, okay, okay yeah. defeated the final boss. This is over, right? So I just had that feeling. So I guess my question for you, King, comes down to competitiveness. Um, when did you find yourself... Uh, in, you, remember, you remember earlier you talked about catching your first Pidgey. What yeah. did you find yourself kind of like, okay, I need to go out and catch 10 Pokemon and then 20 Pokemon, then 50, then 100? Mm, did you find this like competitive? Yeah, game? so I, I used to play by like a, a really OP spot. And then uh, when I wanted to complete my decks, I had to like go to different spots in the city because like you stay in the same spot, like these spots say Pokemon. So I went to this, um, uh, this like kind of sketchy park uh allen garden in toronto and uh and then i i met a couple people there uh, that were like laying some floors there and then we just started talking and these people were like were like pretty hardcore early on in the game and then they then they they're like oh we're gonna head to jack lane ferry terminal which is where i live right where i normally play and i was like oh yeah well you guys can come with me i can drop you guys off and then we started playing there and then i started meeting some other people and that's like when i like started like 
being a little bit more intense. And then when it was uh, double double XP during the first, uh, I think it was like American Thanksgiving event. And uh, I went from like level 32 to 37. And then uh, my, my friends that were like on the verge of quitting the game, they're like, they're kind of like burnt out and all that stuff. But they were like, they really wanted to hit level 40. I was like, oh, you know what? Like, let's just come grind with me. We'll, we'll do this. So like, I, I really wanted them to hit the goal. So I was like playing a lot with them. And then all of a sudden I hit level 40 and kind of just uh, uh, went from there. When you hit level 40, what was your feeling? Because I kind of actually sympathize a lot with Speedy's feeling of like, once you hit 40, like the game's over kind of thing. Like, I obviously I knew the game wasn't over, but after I hit 40, I actually, I didn't take a break, but I didn't play very intensely for like about two weeks or so. I was just like, you know, I don't see the progress bar or anything, right? But like, what was, what was your mentality when you hit 40? So when I, when I hit 40, it was a very exciting uh, day. Uh, I remember like hitting it, like grinding in the morning and then hitting it right after work. Um, and I was like actually like racing my friend uh, doing it. And we hit it like, like 13 seconds apart or something like that. Um, and then uh, I remember uh, it was very exciting. Then we had the, then we had the like one hour lure event like shortly afterwards. Uh, and then I remember like um, this uh, younger kid uh, uh, walked up to me and said like, oh, you know, I, saw you hit level 40 and it was like uh you know can you help me hit it can we help plan all that stuff and then uh there i kind of never lost motivation because uh from there people wanted to hit level 40 so i was like game playing with them oh you gotta do this you gotta do that we gotta catch this many pokemon we gotta start hitting excellent throws we gotta start doing this and that right and um and then uh we gotta like evolve this and do this and that kind of stuff right and uh prioritize this and then we should be able to hit it on on these targets and it kind of just like kind of went that way all the way until till raids um mm. so i really i didn't really lose any motivation and then as well because of the spreadsheet there was like all these like post 40 stuff so yeah. like the first person in the world to hit 40 million xp 50 60 70 so right before raids came out is when i hit uh 100 million xp and I think I was like the seventh or eighth uh, player in the world to, to hit it. Yeah, isn't there? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there a, like a efficiency factor or something named after you? Oh these- yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that was. Uh, I I played this game in like I could talk for like for like ten hours on this, right? Yeah, I played this game on uh, on many different aspects, right? So uh, when we were like well, all this post forty stuff. I remember someone uh, reached out to me and was like, it's like, King, we're trying to get all the level 40 players uh, in a Facebook group, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember a lot of level 40 players were, were on Twitter because we had to like post on Twitter to get verified for the, the 40 club. So there was like people from Buffalo, people from Japan. I remember seeing Brandon Tan uh, there uh, as well, a bunch of Japanese players, all, all that stuff, right? Um uh, and then I was like, okay, we have this Facebook group, like, you know, let's come join. And then I was uh, like uh, one of the founders of, of, of that group. And um, we got people t- people together 
uh, in that group. And there was like all these like really hardcore players from around the world and sharing their excitement. And it was like a, it was a really cool feeling. Cause like for a lot of these players, they were like really intense. Uh, and so they, when they play with their local community, uh, their local community just viewed them as crazy, which is probably slightly true if you're playing the game, this game to, to that extent. Uh, and, uh, they, they found like comfort in like sharing, like, you know, people grinding like 20 hours a day or something like that, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, or going like insane, that kind of stuff. Right. And, uh, they felt comfort around each other. So we really built this really strong community amongst the level 40 trainers. But then what happened when, when raids came out, uh, there was this kind of like, uh, it was kind of like, uh, a little bit of like how, you know, like your rank 10 to legend and, mm -hmm. you know, legend still a great accomplishment, but legend is like easier to hit than, than what rank 10 was most because the season was shortened. Right. Right. So this is very similar in the sense that like hitting level 40 in, in my opinion was still a really great accomplishment, but, uh, a lot of people, but they be you know it, this is like any like group mentality where people would be like oh you know you're a double xp baby right you're like a raid baby right you're a right, friendship, friendship, friendship yeah. baby right that kind of stuff right so then it, it's true that there was a difference in culture when all these people started hitting level 40 uh, through through other ways and then they like they kind of felt it like, like it was like similar to like their local facebook group where like people would be like criticizing them uh, the extent they're playing all that kind of stuff so then they closed off the we just like they they voted to close off the admissions to the group but i was like oh you know i like i still want people to be in this group because i think like there's a lot of people that uh, weren't really intense at the beginning mm -hmm. and then became tense later and joined this group and then took their gameplay to another level and now they're like significant members of this community and uh, so I was like trying to make a compromise so what I did was I we formed we first formed the what we call TL40 data team mm -hmm. where we took a, like a bunch of stats around players so, like I make Pokemon they caught all based on their medals how many spins how many raids all that kind of stuff and then uh, we basically gave them percentiles and then uh, and then I asked one person like oh do you mind like um, you know take people's top 10 percentiles and like give them a, a score so we can kind of like use that as like a overall like um, like efficiency uh, type of thing, right? Like overall accomplishments, right? So like if you were like the most catches in the world, you would have a, like a score of like 100 on that one category. And then say you were like like 10 to 50, whatever it was, right? And then you have an overall score and then kind of like ranks you. And then uh, so I asked this person who was uh, helping with this thing to put that together for me. And then they, they called it, they called it King Points. Uh, like I, I didn't, I didn't admit, right? So they call it KPs, right? Huh? And then uh, they use that to like overall, and then we kind of use that to assess uh, new people coming in. So then now, now we say to people in the group, like, okay, someone wants to join, they have to be better than X percentage of the people already in the group. So it kind of gave right. like, people a mechanism to, to get in besides XP, then also rewarded like other gameplay. So like if you battle a lot in gyms, right, that obviously doesn't show up in XP, right? You get very minimal XP or you did a lot of research or you did, you know, a lot of walking or whatever, whatever the mechanism is, right? That, that way it rewards other people in the ga gameplay besides just looking at XP. So it's just an all alternative uh, uh, to, to that. Yeah, and you're um you've done teaching in the past and stuff. Uh, so 
I think like I could tell from like your thought process, you're very you're very thorough and logical in your approach, which I think translates over to the game quite well too. So um, that's that's crazy though. I, I like that backstory on the origins. For a lot of people listening, they might have not maybe taken the game as seriously back then, or they just mostly PvP or re-download the game or just started recently. But yeah, there's a lot. King's been doing stuff for a while, <laughs> so like you said, he could he could talk about this for a long time. Uh, but I just remember specifically when Raids came out. Um, this is the first time I, I might have heard about you beforehand. I pro- I'm sure I saw your name on different spreadsheets and stuff on XP. Like I just lurk on there and stuff like that. Um, but I think the first time I watched any of YouTube videos was you were doing a trio. I think you were you maybe the world's first trio for Lugia or yeah, the Axis yeah. trio. Yeah, and yeah was, you, uh... you you were with two friends and you're doing like you all had like max out Raikus and stuff. Yeah. I remember specifically too because I saw your specific screen. You were like super clean on your max revives, like going queuing up into the second group of Raikus, uh, going into the Lugia. And Just I was click, like, click, click. Yeah, no, you, you, I mean, you'd be surprised at like how different someone efficient can do it versus what king was doing because the, the other two people were doing the same thing but king's was like very like smooth and in, in comparison but i was like oh this is really cool like because I, I was like always wondering like what's the minimum amount of people i never was the kind of person that had like six max out like raikus or anything like that to to do those things um but i was like oh i was like this guy's kind of legit um that was the first time i heard about you what, what about yeah, you speedy yeah. what was the first time you heard about king yeah, that's a really good point. So for me, again, like I kind of slowed down when I hit level 39 and kind of played passively and I would, you know, grind up some Stardust here and there and try to build powerful things because I always kind of felt like there was going to be this this boss that would arrive, right? Like the trainers would have to join together. This was before raids had been conceived, but I was just mm-hmm. thinking like, oh man, I should build some powerful things just so I can contribute to whatever, you know, boss that we're going to battle, <laughs> whatever that might be. But uh, for me, honestly, King, I think my first exposure to you was through your pvp videos uh on youtube i think that was my my first introductory it was way after i mean we're talking about you know the beginnings with the grinding and then just starting with raids i mean i didn't find you until way after that yeah yeah there's uh yeah the i i love doing those uh raid challenges uh early on just trying to like push the limits of uh what it could take and uh, i remember that actually the first time i got into it was uh, it was actually a debate in the 40 club where people were like, oh, I, I soloed a Flareon. And I remember mm-hmm. like there was a huge debate where someone made a claim that they had soloed it, but they had no video proof. Uh, oh. And this is back like, when screen recording was like a little bit iffier. There was no like built-in screen recording in iPhone and all right. that stuff, right? So, uh, and then people were like, no, that's BS. Like you can't do it. It's theoretically <laughs> impossible and all that stuff, right? And then I, I was like, you know what, I'll... I have, I have Maxo Golems. I'll give it a shot. And then uh, I remember um, we had just finished uh, like the rock event. So like Geodudes were everywhere. But I remember I had, uh, I think I had four Maxo Golems. And then I had evolved the rest to like for XP. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I was actually, uh, I remember I just barely failed. I had like my fifth Pokemon was a Vaporeon. I just barely failed uh, it. And then a Vaporeon's like worse as a raid counter than, than Golem. And then I remember like, 
man, I'm like, I'm never going to tell anyone this, but I put rare candy into, uh, into, uh, to Golem so I could power up a fifth one. Just because, <laughs> no, sure, even though we just, you know, we just had an event and, you know, like back then rare candy was like much more, um, yeah. uh, like limiting, right. It's like right. much more rare resource right now. It's like, who cares? Right. right. Uh, so then I remember, uh, and then I, I think it took me like, I can't remember like a dozen tries or something like that. And I remember just like being in disbelief when, when I did it, cause I had failed so many times. I was so, so close and timing and the RNG and like the perfect dodging, all that stuff, uh, worked out just really nicely. And then, uh, kind of just like went from there, uh, doing the Flareon solo, doing like a Kyogre, um, trio and obviously the, the Lugia one where uh, we actually just did it by like kind of accident in the sense mm-hmm. that uh, where we're, it was raining. So we knew it was rain because I, I always check the weather and like um, basically the game takes like eight hours worth of AccuWeather. So we, we knew we knew what the weather was going to be already. Um, so we we're just waiting for our, our friend Scott to, to come to like do like the fastest like quad because most mm-hmm. people did like quads in the Lugia, but right. he, was, he was late. So I was like, you know what, let's just try it, see how close we get. And then uh, when we got it, uh, I'm sure you hear the end of it, of the audio. We we're like uh-huh. just in disbelief. We're like, oh, my gosh, we just did this. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it, was, uh, it was really exciting. Was that yeah, the first so attempt, too? It was the first attempt, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. If we, we, if we failed the first one, we, we wouldn't have attempted another one because we were like Scott literally came right after that. Oh, that's incredible. Well, yeah. shout out to Scott for being late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite stories related to you and Raids King, I actually thought of one uh, here in just, just a couple of seconds. So um, I remember you saying that you would wake up really early when you knew the weather was going to be a certain way and then attempt Raids at that time. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. I mean, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to. Well, the fog, fog, fog was like the most unpredictable weather to predict, mm-hmm. right? So what I used to do is like basically wake up at 5 a.m. every single day. Like literally every single day, no matter how late, how late I went to check the weather, to see whether or not it was foggy. I think there was like, there was two particular instances where it was foggy. Um, uh, one in the more like one just randomly in the morning, I just went out and like did a bunch of like raids. Cause like, that's like when ghosts are, uh, boosted. Right. So like use like Gengars and do a lot of raids that, that you couldn't, it's actually three times, but you couldn't, uh, you couldn't do otherwise. Uh, some really fun ones. And then when I was in, I flew into New York uh, to do some uh, to do some raids and to some like walk through with with uh, with people. And I remember I, I flew in and it was foggy and I was going to take the train. I'm like, screw it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking an Uber from uh, <laughs> New York to to Manhattan. I don't care what it costs me. And oh, I met with a bunch of guys and we uh, we trioed uh, uh, Lugia. We trioed like the first first people in the world to trio confusion moveset. And uh, wow. we did a lot of like uh, uh, re- really um, uh, fun, uh, fun challenges. Uh, uh, in in fog, I think it was like we were very fortunate. It was like fog for like two more hours or something like that. So it was like fog until like eleven a.m. It was uh, it was really awesome. That's dedication. Hey, uh, this is like you just remind me because you said you woke up at five a.m. every day. Were you one of those people that remembered the old gym system where you collect coins? You could collect your coins every twenty one hours. Did you actually collect that on the dot? In no, 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 no. I, I, I didn't do that. Either. I know some yeah. people who every twenty one yeah, hours. Collect yeah, them. for sure. People have timers. It makes sense. Like if you're gonna grind out uh the the coins in the in that manner but uh, yeah. not for me yeah yeah i got you that's crazy but anyway so for those that are just finding out about all this stuff from king for the first time like this is this is why he's successful in pvp as well <laughs> but um 
you know, and eventually PvP dropped, and you know, that's just the rest is history. But you know, how uh I mean, I get the sense that you've I don't I don't know about your childhood, but at least like since for Pokemon Go, at least like you've always have you've always had a competitive drive within the game, even when like there wasn't a built-in competition aspect to the game. You found a way to find competition, whether it's like getting XP, you know, having the city with the most amount of level 40s, or like you know, raid challenge and stuff like that. And so, obviously, when PP dropped, that's I feel like that's just like just naturally falls in your lap of something you invest in and you just dope into it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I say so for me, I kind of use my. Um, I actually don't characterize myself as a very competitive person but i kind of use these like competitive ad, ad uh aspects to like help build community mm -hmm. so like when i was like grinding xp it was like mostly to like motivate other people to to also grind and kind of form this community like to be like fall in love like in uh, a certain aspect of the game in this case like grinding xp or when we did like these raid challenges, we had this like a uh, Facebook group where we share ideas and all that stuff. And we had like a leaderboard, that kind of stuff where we shared fastest times and all that stuff and cheer on each other's accomplishments and um, give advice, like look at uh, people's videos and that kind of stuff, right? So mm -hmm. I remember I was like just streaming, like we we're doing raids and we're just streaming. People kept asking me like, what's one aspect of the game that you really want to come out that hasn't been released? And I was like, uh not for me in particular uh but i really wanted pvp to come out because i remember a lot of people had quit the game they're like oh, i'll come back when it's like pvp and all that stuff and i remember when it first came out i was like oh you know what this is okay uh all that stuff and then i did a beta tournament uh for self uh in december when the first month of the game came out and i, I had uh won won that like beta tournament and then I won like my first like Boulder Cup tournament, and then people, and I wasn't still still that much into it. But then people started asking me like, "Well, King, how do how do we get better? Like, what can we do?" And I was like, mm -hmm. "Oh, you know what? Like, this is a good opportunity to like give a chance to to teach people some uh, something and kind of like build a community that way." So then I started like, you know, posting a lot of videos like highlighting certain Pokemon and certain metas and how to like sharing my battles, uh, mostly just to help other people get better at the game and then kind of just like uh went, went from there yeah i i think um the first video i ever watched of you for pv was the twilight cup one i think you did like you won your first twilight cup and you did like a secondary one too and i don't remember if you brought a haunter or someone else brought a haunter but i remember you were hyping up haunter uh or haunter and sableye maybe and yeah, i was like yeah. oh i was like i would these weren't even on my radar at the time but. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the first time I experienced a uh, Sableye safe switch, and it was a uh, it was a pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> it was a very interesting meta uh, um, for for Twilight. It's one of my favorites uh, early yeah. on. So yeah, and kind of just like uh, went went from there. I mostly just like even even now, um, just like even when I was like competing, it went, like when I was like most intense into self, mm -hmm. it was like um mostly to like share my battles so people can get better and then as well i used to like go to different places so i used to do day one tournaments in self right so like first day yeah. mm -hmm. and i used to like write on twitter and be like oh who's hosting a day one tournament so i remember i like went to like different cities in canada i even went to like uh philly um 
that's where I met House Stark and like did like a day one tournament there just so like I could share my battles early on, bring people together, host like these big tournaments. And then from there, it was like we started trying to like think about like mega tournaments and and all, all these uh, big tournaments. And those mostly just to bring bring people together. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember those early days in particular. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go oh, no, no, go ahead. No, no, go, go for it. Go for it. I was just going to, sorry, I was just going to say, I remember those early days in particular because essentially, King, you probably weren't aware in this. I, like you said, this was probably not your ambition, but everyone knew and respected your talent and prowess so much that you were essentially going city to city and you were the king and you were knighting very talented battlers. And you would say, watch out for House Stark, you know, watch out for Valor Ash, or Toasty is very acceptable or you know, exceptional. You know, you <laughs> he's acceptable. He's acceptable. <laughs> he's acceptable and exceptional, right? But <laughs> you would see these certain battlers and you just say, you know, these are very talented and people will just kind of follow your word, right? Because they trusted you with what you did. And um, so I have a comment and then a question. My comment is that I feel like for you, you are constantly finding different ways to push yourself, to innovate, to find interesting ways to approach uh, situations. For example, like waking up at 5 a.m. to check for cloudy weather or, um, you know, helping people to reach level 40 and then using that experience to kind of, you know, encourage more people around the community to do the same. You're kind of like, and this is what I find a lot of very intelligent people do is they kind of like push and pull at the fabric of what is accepted, what is normal in society or in reality. They kind of like tug at the strings, right, to see what moves and what doesn't. And I just, I don't know, I really admire that your ability to go in and kind of challenge the normal and then try to innovate and do things afterwards. Um, my question, though, is when you approach a, a coaching situation, whether it's level 40 or whether it's PVP, What's your coaching approach like? Uh, how do you approach people? Do you consider yourself someone with very high emotional intelligence? How do you approach lessons and learning? Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a really good question. So for, for me, it's uh, it's a lot of like listening and adapting. So like, there's there's some certain players there. You need to be like um, you need to be like hold them to like a strict schedule. Like right? that's like the one thing, the one weakness they have, right? So. And then I, I apply that technique and I kind of like get feedback on in terms of like how they're responding to things. And then there's some people where, you know, I'm a little bit more supportive. I know it's a little bit of a longer run process, right? Um, uh, with them. So I, I kind of take like a slower, more empathetic uh, approach in terms of uh, uh, trying to try to figure things out, right? And and just like approaching things in, in uh, different ways. Like I noticed like some of my students like, uh, get easily confused on some lingo. So uh, I like purposely change my speech uh, to like help them learn and adapt uh, a, a little bit better. And this is like the same thing when I'm when I'm teaching at the university or when I when I had mentees uh, throughout my uh, working career. I always just try to like be flexible, like knowing that just because like one strategy worked for one particular individual, it uh, doesn't mean that it will work necessarily for for another one. And just like always having. Uh, at least for me, like sometimes a blind belief that that someone can get better and then someone can can improve. And sometimes that requires like additional work or adjustments to how I teach and all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's the uh, educator in you for sure. Very experienced in that, which is um, I think why your content is uh, so valuable as well, uh, both on YouTube and uh, Twitch. Um, I just I remember too. Uh, I think this one you're like getting pretty big. You went to Singapore for the Kingdom Cup, which I found. I was like, whoa! He went like across the ocean, like to a whole different continent to compete in PP. 
Um, and you swept the whole thing. <laughs> there were some big names there too. Um, Brandon Tom was like one of the early PPers too, and he was really good. And um, you beat him and a bunch of people. And I just remember I was up late the night before my Kingdom Cup tournament watching that. And I, I think I, I think I watched it on one time speed too, because I was like, I don't want to miss anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't run the same exact team, but I was like, dude, like all these like matchup knowledge, like I got this, right? Like I, I know what's going on. And I show up to my Kingdom Cup the next morning. And literally, like, maybe, like, half of my locals are running the same exact team. Oh, you right. had. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, they all saw it. I was like, oh, man. Uh, but they all had the double, like, the Steelix and Bastion combo. Yeah, I remember yeah, we yeah. had that combo. And, and I think back then, like, people only ran either Steelix or Bastion. But you ran both, which is, like, really clever um, for that cup, too. But, uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was wild. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you were, you were one of the early travelers for all those tournaments which was really cool to see yeah yeah for the for that one i, I went uh mostly because uh i wanted to go to the safari zone and as well you know i'd, I'd been talking with brandon brandon tan for for so long and he's like considered him a really good friend yeah. and uh so I, I went down there and then i participated in that tournament and i remember it was like i, I guess I, every tournament i participated is a lot of pressure but i remember when i played in that tournament everyone's like oh king you know we i remember like because i had the safari zone the day before and people were like approaching me and be like oh king i learned so much you know from your uh sylph tournaments and all that stuff and thank you so much it really helped me get into pvp and then i remember like going into this uh, tournament and the 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 way that sylph was for that particular month i'm sure you guys remember was like it wasn't like swiss style pairing it oh, was like right. it was like <laughs> one one two three four right so i remember i played i was like seat number three uh-huh. so i played like the number four person who was like a really good friend the person i scrimmed a lot against played him and then i played the number one player and i remember like uh one of my one of my good friends uh from malaysia isaac uh was mm-hmm. like uh well king you know king this 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 player from singapore is really good and you know and they're like hyping him up and he's like he's like a, a quiet person and mm-hmm. then uh they're like hyping him up and i was like oh man i'm, I'm gonna um a little bit worried here and then he like completely like hard counted me the first game i was mm-hmm. like really nervous i'm like oh man am i just gonna get swept here <laughs> then uh, i won- barely won game two and then i won wow. game three comfortably and then uh i remember playing brendan tan i think in round number five uh-huh and i remember like the whole room just stopping and just like watching us battle and that, yeah. that, that was the first instance where i knew like pvp could become an esport because for me I, I had early ambitions i was going to come in esport early on like maybe mm-hmm. like in february or something like that yeah and um and i always thought in order for it to become an esport i thought it had to be like pokemon stadium in the sense that like you know these like giant ar graphics and people like raising <laughs> the stadium that kind of stuff but then when i when i played brandon that was the first instance where i'm like man the game and its graphics as as primitive as it is is uh is like good enough for for people to watch because i remember like everyone was watching and then after the match was over people were cheering and so excited and so hyped i was like man like this 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 could could be uh could be for real and then uh, and then i played the subsequent rounds and uh, it was uh it was um it's it kind of uh, kind of surreal yeah in that in that sense um uh winning winning that tournament uh but yeah, yeah. just led some other to other opportunities I remember Trainer Tips was there too, and he made his 
team like the morning of, and I think and he didn't do so hot with it, obviously, because he, he was running like oh, out before, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a <laughs> before like hydrogen yeah, and like a sunny cast form. Like I didn't even yeah. know some of the Pokemon he brought were even eligible for that cup. And yeah. <laughs> I remember specifically in the video, he was like, "All right, how about this? I'll play." I'll play your team, King, and you play my team and see if you can beat me with yeah, my I team, got right? smoked. <laughs> and you're like, okay, you're trying to make something work. And you're like, no, nah, no, this is not going to work. So, yeah, yeah, it was, it was bad. Uh, it was very tough there. No, that was a good time. Six. I remember Trainers was covering uh, some of his early, like, t- Boulder Cup and tournament runs, too, back back then, too, before there were a lot of PvP content creators. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would say out of all the content creators, you're one of the first, if not the first, at least consistent, uh, content creator um since then i mean i guess like train just made one on boulder cup but he hasn't been making pp content since then but um but yeah i mean we're i mean we could talk about this all day but yeah we had mega tournaments uh the following year there was worlds in chicago as well um you were you were oh yeah you were there because you cast it yeah i remember that yeah. <laughs> yeah you casted that one and you casted the one in Europe too, which the Europe production was really solid. I remember watching that. Yeah, yeah. The the world's one in Chicago was. Uh, I remember, I was like, uh, we we actually had uh, gone down to Argentina. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember like, I remember yeah, for regionals. Asking, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember asking Self. I was like, I was like, man, I really want. I, I really like. For me, I was like trying to do whatever it took to make this a hyped esport, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember like. I was like, can we can we try to stream Argentina? And I, this crazy idea. And then Self was like, okay, yeah, let, let's do it. So then I asked uh, Trainer Tips. And I'm asking Zionic. Uh-huh. Zionic's like coming from all the way from the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, he's like, I think it's like uh, he had like uh, his kid was very young, or mm-hmm. his wife was pregnant or something like that. Yeah. And I was like. Man, we gotta do this. He's like, he's like, he basically threw his life savings. Uh, <laughs> so we could fly, fly, fly down to Argentina, and uh, it was such an amazing community. I met Marta there, mm-hmm. and I remember like we had spent like basically like twenty hours, like the two days beforehand, setting everything up, and it was such a like a, it was such a, um, I don't know what the right word is, like a, uh, an operation where we're like we didn't know exactly how to do it. But we kind of just made it work. So like uh-huh. the cameras there, like uh, we we just like had like a bunch of like uh, USB extensions coming from like a computer lab that we're like streaming it from, and like what, like taping the wires down, putting in the room. We were like hooking everything up, making sure the phones worked and all that stuff, and make sure the casting and the all that stuff. Make sure they couldn't hear us and all all this work. And then it went it went pretty well. Uh-huh. And I was like so excited for 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 Worlds in Chicago, and I remember like going there. And again, feel free to stop me because I could just. Talk oh no, it's all good. I love it. Yeah, uh, I remember going into Chicago like really hyped about it, and we sh- I showed up like eight nine hours early uh, before we were supposed to go live, right during like preliminary rounds. And I remember taking pictures with people and all mm-hmm. stuff, right? And um, and then I was I remember I was like, oh, talking to self, I was like. Do you, do you need help? Like, can, we, can we help you? And then they were like, and again, I love self, don't get me wrong, but they were like very much like in their own ways. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, we got this. We're, we're, we can do this. Like, don't worry. You just sit there, you know, say hi to people and all that stuff. Just look pretty, right? <laughs> and they were like, they kind of like dismissed us. I'm like, man, we, we just we just did this exact same thing in uh, in um, Argentina. In Argentina. Like, we, we can do this, right? And then uh, it was like, 
an hour late i was like and i felt really bad for the the top eight competitors mm -hmm. i remember like just going over to them i was like oh do you guys want to battle do you guys want to practice all that stuff right and then by the time we actually got to work we were playing on like iphone fives or something like, that. like oh some, my god and like people people couldn't like they actually didn't know the password to the app store so we couldn't get like pokemon go installed and it was like lag super laggy and mm -hmm. all that stuff and then we ran out of time and like we couldn't cast anything and i remember like um leaving that go fest i'm like man this is like so terrible and i remember i interviewed all pretty much all the top eight and the winner mm -hmm. and then um i wrote this like long post about like these are things that we should have done and you know i should have been i was really upset myself because I, I felt like i should have been a little bit more uh forceful and like not not i don't want to say like not trusting but like more assertive, like, more assertive. that's uh, that's the right one right more assertive in it and then i remember uh drums uh reached out to me he's like it's the king well i watched your interviews and read your thing he's like we're gonna do different we're gonna do different in uh in europe i'm like okay he's like then i remember we went to um Europe went to Dortmund and uh, flew over there, and uh, then we like spent so much time. They were like much more receptive to feedback, uh, and it was honestly, it was still to this date probably like the the best PvP experience I had. Like yeah. just having the live crowd there and us casting, and the battles were insane, and and uh, raging Taz winning, and his like his uh, his his, his uh, fellow country people just like cheering in italian it was like so much energy it was it was so crazy i, I just like absolutely loved it it was it was such an such an incredible evening a lot of these like play pokemon tournaments are, are pretty similar i'm sure mm -hmm. worlds will will top it but it was just like like i remember like him making like the sack swap or like not him uh, i think it was uh someone, someone else uh, making the sack yeah, swap yeah. on the one hp or like alteria i was like oh my gosh this is like so so insane and it was um it was a uh, it was uh, a really 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 great evening so it was uh and uh, and then i thought that was like i thought we we're gonna build upon that and then uh, obviously we we built mega tournaments and COVID happened and all that stuff so mm -hmm. but we're we're back on track so so it's good to see yeah, I mean, and, you know, obviously the COVID stuff, we couldn't really avoid that. But I think something that really positive came out of it was, I mean, we, we all know this because we've been around for a while, but you used to only be able to battle with people remotely if your ultra friends are higher. Yeah. Like, you couldn't just battle randomly. And because of that, we now have, like, team formats so you can battle people in. You don't have to sit there and build friendship for 30 days to do lobbies, like, remotely. You can battle with anyone. And like, I'm glad they stuck with, like, that change because... I felt like even though we were all quarantined and separated during COVID, I feel like we were brought close together in the PB community because we were able to actually interact. Like I was actually like for, for the first time I was able to battle people from like Latin America or like Asia or Europe and stuff like that outside of the few friends I had there that were scrim partners. Right. Um, like I actually got to face some people that I would never, you know, would have faced. And these days, like, I mean, especially with GBL, like, you know, you're battling people from all over the world on a regular basis now too, right? I feel like it, the game is like, like completely changed from that local scene to like now, like you could battle anyone, um, which is cool. And, you know, obviously we have these regionals and worlds and stuff coming up too. So now we're battling anyone like in person now too. Um, 
but yeah yeah and it was it was such a change right because we went from all these in-person events whether it was chicago or dortmund or we had uh you know the invitational and everything it, we have all these in-person events and it felt like a very high point for pokemon go it felt like you know pokemon go pvp was was kind of peaking at the right time things were just escalating constantly and then the pandemic hit and we kind of went into this phase where you know prior we had to build the friendship you had to build battle remotely you had to work through a lot of different things you know maybe even when go battle league first came out you had to walk a certain distance to get your sets you know everything there were some barriers right still to to being able to battle freely but then when the pandemic came all the in-person events went away and then we went to remote and some of the remote access got a lot better for example you know walking requirement being removed from gbl was great because it allowed gbl content to really flourish on youtube and i and youtube and twitch and i really feel like that helped to save pvp for an ar game that is very location-based it's very outdoors based uh but king my question for you is some people would make the argument that PVP had its moment in 2019. Like that was the escalation. That's where we were headed. And maybe we've missed the bus. Do you agree or disagree? With that? No, no, I, I definitely disagree. It was definitely like uh, we're riding off a lot of like really good momentum, right? Like we had a lot of like big tournaments, obviously in LA, in Orlando, in Mexico, in Peru, and all that stuff, right? Um, but it wasn't clear like uh what the big next step was right like what what is the big uh what was it what does it look like next right i had some ideas uh where where i wanted to to take it but then um with like the reduction in friendship and obviously the way better experience in gbl because like it, honestly without the pandemic uh gbl probably would have been a failed feature in in pokemon go Right, because like if you had to like walk whatever it was like two kilometers for for one set, it was just like it was it wasn't going to be sustainable, and it was going to be for a very uh, small group of players, right? So, uh, in that in that sense, and then as well like all these online lobbies and team formats and all that stuff, it really like we definitely made the most uh, of uh, of a pretty tough situation, and it uh, in in the end like um, online battling in like uh, battling in general scene was probably better off than than if covid never happened yeah yeah i i agree with that um you know also i feel like twitch just took off for a lot of games especially pokemon go during covid mm -hmm. um this actually reminds me too because i remember you used to live stream on youtube back before we were all on twitch and i remember those are some fun times too because i think like the community was much smaller but like there's still people tuning into king's live streams and yeah. stuff and the format was different but eventually i think uh we all you know kind of followed like alfindio and some other people's cues maybe taco as well and started streaming on twitch as well and um which you obviously still do to this day um uh, but something i i don't know if i ever shared this with you king but um i used to work in nonprofits and stuff i was working in like higher education for a while and then i worked in public health and i think uh for me personally i always was like i don't know if i could ever do like streaming or gaming full-time like i don't like there's not enough like fulfillment out for me like personally speaking right i think like mm. you know it's 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 a great job for those that can do it but i want to do something a little bit more than that and i and it was actually you uh the various charity and fundraiser streams you would do with the nerd twitch um 
like kind of inspired me. I was like, wow. I, I think one of the first ones I saw was maybe the Black Lives Matter one. You mm -hmm. did some cancer research, COVID, you know, suicide awareness, mental health, a bunch of stuff, right? And I think um, I remember see. I think it was the Black Lives Matter one uh, specifically because you had black content creators and PPers battle on your stream and you're just hosting for them and you're raising all this money for, you know, during a really tr uh, turmoil filled time um, mm. for the, for the United States and, um, and maybe globally as well too. And I was like, wow, I was like, there's so much more I could do by leveraging my influence um, for the world than just making PVP contents. Uh, but you want to kind of share a little bit about like how you got into that aspect because I feel like that's a big part of your identity as well as a community leader in this community. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think like um, raising money and raising funds has always been something like uh, really, really important to me, and like kind of like uh, like understanding the opportunities and privilege uh, that that you have. And I remember like just this turmoil time, and um, you know as a and like partly as an outsider, right? Because I'm Canadian, right? And you see all this stuff in American, right? And then I had a lot of um, black um, friends and and fellow contributors. And I, I'm like, man, we, we, we just got to do something. I remember like speaking with Taco and uh, Taco's like, oh, let's just... Uh, Let's just stream it, right, and just raise some money. I was like, I was like, let's bring in some like black content creators, and and uh, and it was actually really really fun time. And we really raised a lot of money, and then from there is like talking with the nerd Twitch and some other people about other ideas and other causes, and you know, kind of just uh, uh, just went from from there, just like uh, every occasion or some event, unfortunate event that happens that we want to create some good. Uh, uh, by raising money within the community and, you know, kind of using our platforms appropriately, uh, it's just kind of, uh, just built from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's incredible how much, uh, you and the nerd Twitch and various other partners you all work with have raised for so many different, uh, charities and organizations throughout. So, um, yeah, definitely been one of my favorite aspects of the game is just the community, right? Because there's there's always going to be things with PvP and the game that might not work exactly as we want to. But um, I think that that part of the game always like kind of brings me uh, back to it. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, we talked a lot so far about all these things, but you have uh, a, a couple a couple very big events I think coming up. Um, first off, you are uh, one of the world's competitors. Um, for uh, it's actually not the first ever, but the first like open invitation ever of uh, Pokemon Girl Worlds. You were invited as like one of the content creators for the the kind of official like you know kind of demo worlds in 2019 in DC, uh, which you did win that one, but um, it was limited pool of people. But you know you kind of proven your uh, worth and prowess by winning the Indianapolis regionals, which I know Speedy cast as well too. And those are some really uh, hype battles because you battled your way through the losers bracket, and you went, you went, what you re, uh, you reset the winners bracket, and then were down 0-2 and went on a reverse three and O sweep. Um, just tell us about that, or also like the competitive season. I mean, this is the first time we're officially a part of the Pokemon company's like competitive circuit. Yeah, that's a um, so for for indie, um, indie indie was actually gonna 
I actually like uh, thought Indy was going to be my last competitive tournament I was going to do. Right? I, I did. <laughs> I did. I did Indy mostly. I, I would actually prefer not to not to play and uh, you know just to kind of judge mm-hmm. or you know do a, do whatever it takes. I I, I mentioned in uh, Daniel's uh, podcast that that I would if they want me to sweep the floors or hold the door open as the best use to make worlds as best as possible, I'll be more than happy to do it. But I, I played in Indy. Most because like it was the first NA tournament, I thought it would create the most hype if I if I played in it, you know, create a lot of interest, like kind of like leveraging my platform. And then if someone beat me, you know, in the top eight or whichever, and that would kind of help them raise their profile, kind of like this like validation stamp that uh, uh, Speedius was uh, uh, saying earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember like. And I, I was like really rusty, like I had a really busy time period right beforehand. And then uh, kind of like I won my group, played I had a really good matchup with uh, Party Marty. He had a very difficult for I had a very he had a very difficult team for for me to face, and I had like a really exciting uh, third game where I just like just barely won, and I made some like lucky plays and calls. And then just going into to the top eight, and um, you know, kind of just like just being thankful for for the opportunity to, to make it that far and then uh winning it was like very very unexpected because iron man was a really really strong competitor and obviously had an uphill battle um going coming in from the losers bracket and just trying to play the the best that i could and put put on the best show possible and then uh then me winning was like yeah i i, I didn't it was it wasn't in my uh it wasn't in my thought process, right? <laughs> and um, you know, I, I shared a lot of sentiment that I had with like some of my other content creators that maybe thought I was like washed or like not as well practiced, which is a hundred percent true. Because I was facing a lot of people that climb really high in GBL or very active in Sylph or very active in factions. And for me, I had like basically taken like two years off of like actual like competitive playing right the, i think the the uh, prior to that in the last two years the most competitive tournament that i did was the twitch picks right so like i was like i was uh yeah and it, it was uh and that, that was gonna be my last tournament that i was gonna play like competitively and i was gonna focus on uh, other aspects um uh to it but then obviously one and then I'm not going to Worlds, and World Worlds will be, regardless of the outcome, will will be the last like competitive tournament I play in. That even if just, you win the whole thing, even if I win the whole thing, which wow. is really, 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 extremely unlikely. Um, uh, even if I win the whole thing, just uh, focus on you know judging or helping organize or or, or doing whatever other aspects uh, to it. Just because like mm-hmm. it's not like. Uh, it felt kind of weird to win in Indy because I could, I could tell that there was like other people that want to win more and that like, um, and it was also the case that like, uh, we had like been away from like in-person tournaments for so long and I've like played on stream and played in these big formats. And so it wasn't really like that nerve wracking for me to, and maybe perhaps I put a little bit less pressure on myself. Uh, so it was like less nerve wracking for, for me to play uh, compared to some of my other competitors, which uh, gave me a, gave me a, an edge uh, in those matchups. Yeah. So 
King, you say that you're not a competitor at heart. And I actually understand what you mean. Like some, some people, they belong in the ring on the stage, on the field. They don't really function anywhere else. Right. If you look at uh, some people that are really great athletes, but they don't really translate well in terms of being a coach later or a broadcaster later, they just can't really make that, uh, that transition. Uh, for you, I really feel like you're again, your focus has always been community building. It's always been leading, creating content, giving people the tools that they need to succeed. And uh, what you said really resonated with me when you said you didn't expect to win Indianapolis. Um, going back to Silk Worlds in 2020, I mean, I was fighting people like Hal Stark, like Dunebug, uh, like uh, what's his name from uh, from the EU, uh, Mephis. I was fighting some really talented trainers that I feel like wanted with just all their heart to win. Like this was it for them. This was their shot. And they pushed themselves really, really hard. And I had never seen myself as a competitor. I had never seen myself as someone that was going to be on the field. I always expected myself to be, you know, working in the background, maybe in front of the camera, but not as that guy. You know what I mean? And I feel like when you approach those moments, you kind of just or at least my motivation was I looked at the people that I had already beat and I said, Oh my goodness, you know, I beat uh, House Stark. He's way better than I am. So if I don't at least make him proud, then, you know, I'm doing him a disservice. So I'm just going to try my best. Um, you know, you, you kind of look at the people behind you and say, okay, I have to do it for those people because I care about them. So I think you probably have a similar approach, but there's also an element that I think we share King and you probably have it more intensely than I do, but it's this quiet competitiveness. You don't really talk about it. You don't, you know, go out and say like, oh, you know, I'm going to be the champion, that kind of thing. But I, I can tell you don't like to lose. You never like to lose. You always want to push yourself uh, to really be well, you know, be uh, at the top. Uh, however you can. So my question for you is, how do you prepare for something like Worlds? How do you prepare for the regionals? I know that you say that you were rusty, maybe you took a couple of years off, but my goodness, you came back and people said you were rusty, but I couldn't see it on the screen. You fooled me. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, I think for me, uh, I'll, I'll never concede a victory to somebody. Like if you if you want to be me, yeah, you have to beat the best version of me, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. I, I like for example against Crimson, I really wanted him to beat me, like because I think it would like give him like he obviously leveraged that platform quite well, but it would give him like such a uh, different aspect of how people would would view him. And I really really wanted to be him to beat me, but I was not gonna let it. I was just not gonna uh, fall to him, right? So I was gonna. If you want to beat me, you have to beat me at my my very best. Uh, so for for me, when I prepare for for these tournaments, it's just like for any other big tournament I prepare for, I uh, typically hire someone to to help me through the team building process. In this case, uh, Wild Susan Boyle is uh, is going to be helping me, similar to how Leandro helped me uh, prepare for for Indianapolis. So obviously, I can't have Leandro help me because he's head judge there. So, uh, so while Susan Boyle is going is going to be helping me and, and we've been sharing ideas, uh, on, on teams, uh, that we want to try and, you know, just been practicing, uh, with them and iterating through it. And then that'll, that process will happen all the way, probably up until like two or three days before worlds. And then I'll just, whatever team I have at that point in time, I'll just, uh, lock in, recognize my weaknesses, uh, and then kind of just play, play around them. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, I know he said you'd, you'd be willing to even just sweep the floors to help 
organized, but I think you might be sweeping some opponents instead in the near future. <laughs> but yeah. we shall see. Um, yeah, so you know, best of luck to you as well. And I know you're also going with your fiance as well to Worlds too, mm-hmm. which is also an incredible um, story in many regards. Um, but Cindy uh, won the regionals right after yours in Vancouver. Um, and I, was she even going to go to that one originally? I felt like she like signed up last minute or something, or maybe I missed. Uh, I, I think it was like, or that was uh, the only one she was going to go that, to. That was the only one that she's planning to go to because of uh, all the visa issues and all that stuff and crossing the border. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that one she was uh, planning to go to uh, regardless. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And she, you know, at both of you kind of just like one and done kind of situation um i know a lot of people it's not easy to win a regionals by any means and some people have made multiple attempts but uh, both of you just kind of did one and did it um but uh and you know if you don't want to talk about this that's fine too uh because obviously your personal life is very tied into pokemon go as well well like i said you have a lot of big events coming up in a few months including your wedding as well too um and i don't know if everyone saw this and I hope everyone does see this, but you tweeted about a potential suit you wear at your wedding. And uh, I, was, I was really, I was really pulling for, pulling for you to, uh, to have this suit at your wedding, but you want to kind of tell some of the backstory there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So actually it was, uh, I was going uh, wedding suit shopping, uh, suit shopping for, uh, for um, a friend's wedding. Cause like I had like lost just, I lost a bunch of weight recently mm-hmm. so like all my pants were like way too loose and all the jackets were way too loose so i went to um morris which is like a standard canadian men's clothing store and then uh, i remember cindy was like oh king did i tell you that you know joshin the nerd twitch mm-hmm. offered you to buy this like pokemon suit and i was like oh like you showed it to me right i was like oh this is awesome and then i was like cindy i'm gonna tweet out saying if we get to some absurd number. I think it was like 10,000 likes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I would wear it. And she's like, oh, this is such a bad idea. Uh, it only got to like 3,500 or 3,600. So probably won't be able to wear it. But um, that would have been a, certainly a, a fun thing to to have. And for me, I was like, uh, I at least for me, uh, can't speak for Cindy, I like really embraced that the, this, the game is the reason why we're together and we're engaged and we're getting married and we're mm-hmm going to spend the rest of our lives together and um you know really really embrace it not uh ashamed of it in 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 any aspect uh uh, that this uh a game is what what brought us together because it it is uh, really uh fantastic no yeah that's incredible too two things one uh yeah you're currently at 3777 likes i have this tweet bookmarked on twitter so i could check up on it once in a while and i will include it in our promo for this episode on twitter so for those that have not given a like here and want to see king wearing this pokemon suits you got another chance here so i'll post it down below i don't know if i could make up the remaining 6.5k likes but we'll, we'll do what we can which i'll probably, I'll probably make a uh like a promo like a push for it uh after uh after worlds to see whether we can get to it but uh we'll, we'll see you, you know king there um there typically is a winner's interview uh 
after Worlds for the winner of Worlds. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so you're not unfamiliar with this because you won Worlds last time in 2019. But if you win Worlds this year, it's not a bad idea to plug it. You know, there'll be a lot of people watching on Twitch too. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure I, I will find a way to post that link somehow in, in, the, in the Twitch channel if you mention it. But... I'll just have a QR code. Right? It's all just like, <laughs> as you're viewing, but like, put it up and then people will scan it. So Yeah. You, you know, actually, I don't even, this might not be allowed by the Pokemon company, but if you have time, you could just tape the QR code on your T-shirt while you're on stage. <laughs> you won't get scanned because you are watching battle. They're going to scan the like their the POV on Twitch and be like, "What is this?" And then they find it. You know, so yeah, exactly. You have to be creative with this. Anyway, um, I apologize to Cindy ahead of time because I don't think she's a big fan of <laughs> my my activism here. But um, yeah, I, I you know this reminds me too. Earlier today, uh, I was doing a little giveaway and. Uh, the winner of the giveaway, I just want people to share like how has Pokemon Go changed your life personally, right? Since you started playing. And I feel like you could say a lot of things here too, but I I'm just curious, like what would your response be if someone to say like, how has, you know, po picking up Pokemon Go since 2019, day one, you know, changed your life up to this point? You know, I know a lot has happened. Yeah, yeah. It certainly changed my aspect, my life almost completely, right? So like obviously spending a good portion of my time Related to the game, playing the game, coaching, participating, content creating, then as well meeting my significant other, meeting like our our wedding invite is like it's like mostly Pokemon Go people, and it's <laughs> yeah. like it's like a it's a really cool opportunity to be able to meet people from all walks of life. Like you, you two are great, but there's absolutely no chance we would have met without Pokemon Go. Yeah, right. Well, so Right, so it's just really for me. It's a really cool opportunity to, to even early on in days, early on in the game, just like meeting people from all walks of life, uh, was was really cool that um, that I wouldn't have otherwise uh, had chance chance to meet and be able to travel, uh, basically all over the world in many countries and many places, uh, having tons of opportunities and. Uh, be able to make some real friendships and uh, generally help people and communities as as much as I have has been a really uh, rewarding experience. Yeah, no, that's incredible too. Um, you've also been on. Uh, I've been keeping up with this too. It's it's great to see um, a big weight loss journey as well too, um, which I think like synergizes so well with Pokemon Go because you're you're on the go and you're walking around and stuff too. So you're you're grinding in real life on fitness goals and also in the game, which is like you know, a win-win here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, um, yeah, even in that, some of the, some of the kilometers that you cover King, it's just inspirational. A lot of people look at that. They're like, Oh my God, you know, King is really pushing himself to do it. So again, that quiet competitiveness, again, it just keeps on showing through in every, every approach that you have. Uh, I've even heard stories as well. King, I never told you this, Caleb, you don't know about this either, but I was, uh, talking with someone after NAIC, and uh, they were telling me, they were like, oh, my God, King was uh, or excuse me, it was after Vancouver, I believe. So, oh, my God, King was was great. He was just so great on the judging team. He's just excellent. But the one thing, King never stops. King, we tell him to go eat. We tell him to sit down and he just ignores us. He just keeps going at 100 miles an hour the whole time. So I think your ability to really kind of recognize the moment and maximize uh, your time, squeeze every single ounce of value out of the precious seconds. I think that is uh, another defining characteristic of who you are. Yeah, I always, I always try to 
lead by example, right? And, you know, I credit this, this could go, we could go very long. It's already been very long, but, uh, for, for me, it's like, I always want to work as hard as possible, right? That's something that for me, I've just been given this innate ability to just, just, just do whatever it takes, right? Just to work as hard as I can. I remember when I was when I was younger. I'm, sure, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure you guys ever heard of this or saw any of my shorts and that kind of stuff. So, like when I when I was younger, I remember I was uh, 11 years old. I remember like uh, I, I have uh, I have seven siblings, right? So I have five brothers and two sisters. I have three three older brothers, and I remember um, my uh, two of my older brothers are like a little bit more. Uh, uh, athletically gifted, right? So they're like bigger and all that stuff, right? Than than me. And I uh, I remember when I was eleven, like uh, we really like struggled to pay the bills. And I remember uh, collectors calling us, and we were like trained to like lie to the collectors, pretend like we don't know what you're talking about, and all that stuff. And I remember when I was younger, I was like I really wanted to help out any way I could. So I remember uh, it's basically spending every weekend and every day in the summer working on these, like, uh, I'm not sure you guys heard this, like, uh, East Asian route called Jingxing, right? Anyways, this uh, we went to these, like, Jingxing farms, and from, like, 6 a.m. to, like, basically 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, I'd be, like, working in these fields, like, you know, picking the weeds or picking the Jingxing or um, doing a bunch of, like, various uh, labor activity and being, like, surrounded by, like, basically, like, 40-year-old Vietnamese people that didn't speak Eng- any English, and I would just like be working there constantly. And then I remember my, my 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 siblings also worked with me, um, but they would like they would work like two days and then take one day off. And for me, I worked every single day because I remember my my parents similar. They were like asking me to take a break. And I was like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing this. I, I need to do whatever it takes. Right? I need to like push myself to 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 the very limit and just like working and grinding. And I kind of like use that mentality. In, in every aspect of my life is like if I'm missing something or I'm not as skilled or as gifted or don't have the necessarily the same opportunities, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to work for it. Right. Like I'm just going to do whatever it takes to, to, to do it. And that's like one thing that I always uh, try, try to appreciate all these opportunities. So I worked at NAIC or worked in Vancouver, just like, just try and do whatever it takes and just put all my effort into it uh, to try to, make the best outcome possible. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, this is why, this is why they named King points after you, right? Like max efficiency <laughs> and effort in, in all walks of life. So that's incredible. Um, I, you know, we've been talking for a while too, so we'll probably wrap it up after this one. Unless Speedy wants to ask you anything, but, uh, you know, we are what into day, uh, year six of Pokemon six, go yeah. at this, yep. at this point. And, um, pretty much th- about three and a half years of uh, maybe a little over three and a half years, uh, almost four years of PVP as well. Um, what, and we're in our first season of the official play Pokemon circuits. What is your hopes and dreams for this game or maybe expectations or, you know, predictions for the future? I remember specifically Ninja, uh, big streamer Ninja, um, and known for Fortnite and a bunch of other games as well on Twitch, uh, probably one of the biggest streamers ever in the world, um, tweeted uh, a tweet and it said, if you could play one game for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I remember seeing your response. You said Pokemon Go, right? Um, and uh, has, has that changed for you? And if not, um, also like what, 
what do you what are your hopes and dreams for the future for this game? Because I feel like, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs for this games as well. Like I think in many ways we could say we're on an up, especially for the PP aspect and competitive side. Some people might say we're on a down for other reasons, especially if they don't do PP. Um, but yeah, what are, what are what are your what's your vision here for the game? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I guess my 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 mentality is uh, pretty different than when I wrote that tweet. So like I probably play the game less than I used to back then. No, for sure I used to play it then back then, right? So like I used to like grind almost every day, at least mm-hmm. like an hour or whatnot, and be a little bit more active in the game. Now I'm like spending more time like on content and coaching and all that stuff, but. For me, I still have like this, these like big aspirations that that PvP will just be this like big esport. Will be the biggest Pokemon esport out there and be up there in the mainstream. What that looks like exactly, I'm not uh, quite sure. Maybe it's like sponsorship from these like large companies. Maybe it's like uh, seeing these like big tournaments or more participation or big viewership. Uh, at worlds uh we'll, we'll see for, for me i kind of view worlds as like this uh um uh, pivotal pivotal point right i don't think it's going to be like this is like the most important day in pokemon go pvp esports when they look back on it but it'll be like an inflection point where if it if it goes well then it'll lead to this like tremendous opportunities and when they do the documentary in the, the long run they'll they'll talk about it or or it could lead to just like kind of not necessarily a plateau, but like uh, a realistic ceiling of where where this game is. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what Worlds uh, shows in that respect. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, it, it's we'll, we'll see how things go after this event. I do think this is going to be a big event uh, for the game and franchise, and I hope a lot of people tune in as well. Um, cheer on your favorite competitors too. Mm-hmm. Might be king, and um, if he wins it all, we gotta. We got to pull him out of his early retirement somehow, you know, <laughs> this is going to be his last <laughs> run. Um, but yeah, any, you, any last questions, Speedy? Yeah. So I just have one more for you, King. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, again, we both know you're super busy, so we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, my question for you is, uh, I guess it's twofold. First is what can Caleb and I do? Because, you know, we're both casting, we're both honored to go to London. Uh, the announcement is out, it's public news, so we don't have to, you know, store it in our minds and, and you know, uh, shut our mouths anymore. We can actually talk about it. So what can Caleb and I do to help ensure that the future for PvP is good? And what can other content creators do, whether they're a small streamer on YouTube or, or, or Twitch, or if they're just getting started on YouTube, or maybe they just make Instagram shorts, no matter where they're starting or where they are, how can we kind of lock in the future for pvp well i think for you guys you guys are already doing a tremendous job and just uh, cast your hard hearts out at worlds which i'm sure sure you will and uh put it make sure it's a it's a good show for everyone because you guys are such a critical component to to making it translate to especially to such a large audience and for for other content creators is just uh try to take advantage of every opportunity you have but also try to bring people along with you. I think that's like a really important aspect is to always understand the position you're in and how you can help others and be inclusive to all sorts of people just because uh, there's going to be people from all walks of life that have varying levels of interest when it comes to PPP. And we need to build this community as as big as possible. And the the more hands that we have on deck, the the better. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, um, was really good advice too. I, I, I want to just add on to that a little bit. I just remember when I made my first YouTube video, um, I remember Zionic reached out to me and King reached out to me and a couple others as well. A lot of those content creators aren't really, uh, making content anymore, unfortunately for PP. But, uh, I just remember, I was like, Whoa, I was like, it's like, King just messaged me. I was like, I was watching his kingdom cup video the other day, you know, like, this is crazy. Like he's going to Singapore. Like I'm just a nobody. I just use like a Lugia once in a video. Right. But I think, um, you know, that like having that supportive community, uh, even within the content creator space is huge because, um, it, I think it, it means so much, especially for those content creators that are listening, like it means so much more to the small content creators than you can even imagine because they're starting out. They think maybe they're nobodies and, you know, they see like their idols, like reaching out and being like, Hey, like that was a great video or just like one comment here, there, or, you know, some words of encouragement or collaboration opportunities. I remember, that's why I remember the live stream so well, because King would like invite me to be like, Hey, you want to interview the, the top eight of, you know, the Europe world's competitors or like be on the stream and talk about this future cup and stuff. I was like, dude, like totally, you know, like, and I, I try to do as many of those opportunities as possible. Cause it's like, this is such a cool opportunity to work with King, someone that I was, you know, seeing and stuff too. Um, and I think like my content and creation, content creation and platform wouldn't be where it is today without these early collaboration opportunities and um, support from these creators. So uh, definitely, definitely resonate with those words too. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, King. Uh, I know we've been talking for a while and, and, you know, I would love to talk about this even more, but you have a busy schedule and you got to prep your your way to win worlds. Uh, so um, we, we'll definitely let you go. But do you have any last words? And if not, uh, where can people find you uh, on well, the interwebs? Yeah, just uh, thank you very much for, for having me. It's always a good conversation uh, with you too. Uh, you can find me on on uh, Twitter at uh, Pogo King and, or on Twitch at King IV or on YouTube at Pogo King. So uh, thank you again for, for having me. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you all to our listeners for joining in. Uh, this has been an episode we've been looking forward to record for a while and so glad to have King on here for our 61st episode. So uh, we will do our best to maybe record an uh, episode before we leave for London. If not, we might have a week off. Just a little heads up on that. Me and Speed will just figure out some schedule there. But we will definitely be back from London um, the following week and hopefully have a lot of cool stories. We definitely will have cool stories here. I just, I just say hopefully. If nothing happens in London, something's wrong. So, mm -hmm. um, But uh, yeah. Thank you all for joining. Hope you have a great one and we'll catch you all in the next episode.